So I think for a lot of women listening, I think they're afraid of failure, but they don't, they don't realize that they're already in failure by not doing it, right? You're already in your worst case scenario. of It Takes Grit. It's only taken me a couple of months and a few rescheduling things to get this girl on. Is <laughs> finally here. I can't actually believe this is happening. I know. I was like, my life was crazy. And every single time we were going to, I'm like, oh my God, the, the podcast gods hate us. They hate us. I was like, no. Not today. No excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. And it's crazy because I told you this, I had been following you for a bit. And then obviously, met you officially in a mastermind that we're both in now of course but it's been really cool to learn together and grow together and just kind of hear the behind the scenes of what you do and i just i love it i love everything yeah and i can't wait to pick your brain and ask you a bunch of questions you're like the guru on social media (laughs) at marketing and the way that you speak to people is just freaking brilliant. It's it's so funny, it's so entertaining. <laughs> you're entertaining, I love it. So for those people who don't know you, and guys, if this is your first time on the It Takes Grit podcast, welcome. We're super fired up to have you joining us today. You're very, very lucky because we're getting Angie Lee from the Angie Lee podcast, which has what, 7 million downloads? Yeah, yeah, as of last week, I'm so excited. Just, just a little brush on the shoulder, just like, yeah, whatever. Um, so tell everybody about a little bit about your background and who you are. So <laughs> what's up guys? I'm so excited to be on the podcast. First of all, my favorite word is grit. So I'm like super stoked to jam. Um, so wh- my, my story or my quick story is I was doing health and wellness coaching in college. I started a wellness blog. The cliff notes is that built an audience over the last 10 years. And now here I am teaching marketing sales and I do a few different things. I have a live event, Pays Be Brief. I obviously have my podcast. I have digital courses. I have a CBD line in the cannabis space. So I kind of have my hands in a few different things, but all around, I think that I'm an educator and hopefully an entertaining educator, as you mentioned. Um, but I see myself as an educator, a teacher, a speaker, and I am obsessed with jamming on all things marketing and sales. So I'm excited to be here. So Rad, now you live in San Diego now, but you're not, you're not from San Diego. No, I'm from Chicago and I moved to LA two and a half years ago, three years ago, tried LA for a bit and then saw San Diego and I was like, oh, I love this. I love this. Yeah. I I like LA, but like for a day trip, like I'm in Huntington beach, I'm not an LA person. And I feel, I, I feel awkward. I like, I know that I like, I've been to influencer parties when I've stood there and I'm like, am I holding my drink right? Am I doing enough selfies? Like I felt like like weird. I don't know what I'm taking You know that's what it's about. Am I taking enough selfies? But that's what I love about you is you're super real deal. Like you have a massive level of influence and a massive audience, but you just you don't really care. Like you care, but you're just a real deal chick. So Well, I appreciate that. And one thing I was reading on your Instagram the other day, and this really talks about the grit, is the idea that you had to do a podcast and your boyfriend at the time thought it was a silly, stupid idea. And we all have those people in our heads. So how did you get through that and do it anyway? Because there's loads of people listening right now that have ideas and then they tell someone and they think it's like a terrible idea and they don't do it. Why did you do it? Yeah, that's a funny story. So I remember my boyfriend at the time and then a few of my friends and some of my close friends, which you know, it's the, it, that's the hardest thing in entrepreneurship when people who you love and you think love you back, don't even believe in, in your vision or your dream. 
And um, they thought it was really silly. And they were like, well, who's going to listen to it, right? I remember he said, well, who's going to listen to it? And I remember thinking to myself, well, zero people are going to listen to it if I don't do it. So I might as well do it, right? Yeah. I already know, so I might as well. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is, is weighing out the pain of, of regret and, and not doing it. And I think you, you can resonate with this. When you're someone who has a, a message or something that you want to share with people, it almost literally kills you inside to think of, of not sharing that, right? And that not coming out of you. And so for me, it was almost like I had to press record. I just had to do it. I had to get these ideas out of me. And I knew that regardless of if I looked stupid, it would have been a better decision to at least try it and quote unquote fail than to not even do it at all. So I think for a lot of women listening, I think they're afraid of failure, but they don't, they don't realize that they're already in failure by not doing it, right? You're already in your worst case scenario. That's so true because you can only fail if you quit. That's, yeah. only, that's the only way that you can ever fail at something is if you literally quit what you're doing. So if you don't even start it, like you said, you're already failing. Yeah. I saw a post that Rachel Hollis just did and she said it was a post from 2014 mm -hmm. and it was um, a, talking about her blog and she says, yay, one person liked my blog and she was ecstatic. Like that's what you have to remember. It starts with one subscriber, one yeah. listener, one viewer, like one, it all starts with one person. It all starts with one and I saw that and I thought to myself, I can still remember the girl, her name was Sarah. This is when I was 19 years old. I had a wellness blog, so similar to this post. And she emailed me because at the time, email was like the cool way to reach out to people. Now it's like, don't email me, DM me, right? Like nobody's emailing. But she emailed me. And I think she was from Iowa, a 20-year-old girl. And she said, I've been reading your blog for a bit. It's been super helpful. You've changed my life. Thank you, Sarah. And I remember looking at this email and I was like, what the F? Like, this is crazy because... It started with my my friends, my family, my war market, and then they told their friends. So I knew most of who my readers were, right, or my, my clients. I knew who they were. But then it's that very first person who's a stranger of a stranger of a stranger, right? And you're and they read your shit, and it changes their life. And you're like, wait, this is crazy. So I remember I emailed her back. I got on a phone call with her, and I was like, who are you? Where do you live? What are your pain points? What do you want to know? I became obsessed with with helping her. And from that day, I've always been obsessed with thinking of that one person that I can help. And as, 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 I mean, the, the, the power of that is that now it's obviously helped lots of people, but um, I've become obsessed with focusing on that one person. So that's where it starts. So my next question was actually, if you want to have an online business, yeah. what are the first steps? Yeah. And you kind of yeah. answered that. So, I mean, someone's out there like, well, you know, you've got a podcast, you've got a blog, like you have YouTube, you have like merchandise, like, wow, that's so much. But like, if you're literally at the beginning stages, what is, if, if you could go back what would be the first step that you would do? Absolutely. I believe that the first step is identifying your expertise or identifying your niche. So who you are in the market and where you fit, right? Especially in the fitness space, there are hundreds of thousands of girls wanting to be fitness coaches online and do what you do. Literally, there are thousands. And I think a lot of them want to do it all overnight and they want the app, they want the YouTube channel, they want the merchandise line, they want to be able to do it all and do it all by Friday. And I think that that's extremely unrealistic and you have to take things in baby steps, like you said, and know that you have to master one project before you go on to the next one. So the first thing I would do is identify who they are, what is their hook or their niche in the market, and then also know who the heck they're speaking to. Because your style and your vibe and who you're speaking to, let's say we both have a similar app, it, you, have a, you have something that I don't have, right? And so you have a unique skill or expertise. 
And so I think really identifying that is always going to be the first step for women, especially in the fitness space when it's so, so saturated. The only way to be competitive is to really have that clear, that clear niche and that clear positioning. Yeah. And it's, it's cause I hear a lot of people saying, I need to find my niche. I need to find my niche. But if you're just you and authentic, your niche is also going to find you. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you, when you look at your audience, like when I see people turning up for my fit camps, I'm like, she's turning up for my fit camp. Cause she looks like me. Like she's not <laughs> off and jacked up. She's like in a nice cute workout outfit. She's got a yoga mat underneath. Like she's yeah. her hair's pretty, like she's not, I, you kind of do attract. So instead of trying to necessarily go to a specific niche, because that might not be authentic with you, it's having that combination of both, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think in, in the in the fitness space right now, there's only so many people who know who they're speaking to. And there's so many different pain points in fitness. There's muscle gain, there's fat loss, there's people who want to do keto, vegan. I mean, there's so many different sub niches and trends right now in the fitness industry. So I think it's extremely powerful to be polarizing and to take a stand and say, this is what I teach. This is what I'm really, really good at. And so you become the master of that thing. So for example, if it's at home hit workouts and that's what the app's about, that's your thing. That's your edge. So a guy who's, I don't know, <laughs> a guy who wants to go work out at the gym and, and that's not his jam and that's not what he wants. Well, you're not for him and that's good. And you don't, he doesn't need to be reading your posts or consuming your content. So being okay with not serving everyone is one of the most powerful things you can do. But I find that a lot of women in fitness are so nervous to do that. They're so nervous to get out and not help everyone and their grandma and, and their grandma's brother's cat's lizard with fitness, right? And so <laughs> by doing that, they have, they have good messaging, but it's really vague and vanilla, and then it doesn't really stick with anyone. Yeah. So I see that as a not everybody's going to like you. Yeah. So, so don't even try. So most of my audience are actually in network marketing. So mm, okay. marketing, but I love, a lot of them actually just love to work out and just to be healthy. So we have a kind of, I have some aspects of there and then other people who don't actually care at all about business and actually just want to be part of a community, which I think mm. is great too. So if, are you in network marketing? Yeah, I, we're, I'm in network marketing too. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, so one question I have for you, and I think this is interesting because when I originally meet you, I don't see you as the, as the most outgoing person and like ready to like, like mingle in. You do keep yourself to yourself sometimes. And I feel like a lot of times people feel that they have to be outgoing to be successful. Yeah. And you are like insane on social media. And then yeah. when you meet you in real life, like you're still like you bubbly, but you're, you're not like, you don't have to be that, like, you're not that intense outgoing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which yeah, are, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of people feel they have to be outgoing and they have to speak first and do all that. But really sometimes it's, it's actually listening and, and not having that. So what's your views on having to be outgoing to be successful? Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, and I think the times that we've met, I obviously have been in a business setting, so I'm there to learn and I'm there to listen. And I love just l listening now more than I talk because obviously that was a huge fault of mine growing up is I was the one who talked more than I listened and I realized that that wasn't always the most powerful thing to do. And I think now as my brand's increasing, and I, I mean, I'll probably interview you on this, but as I become more outgoing and having to create so much content and be so on, when I'm not on, I, I don't like to be super on because I'm like, oh man, I just did videos today or I did five podcasts. And the last thing I want to do is go to a network mark, like a network networking party and be like this super outgoing, like everybody needs to know I'm in the room girl. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have the energy to be that anymore <laughs> because I used to be that way. So I believe that the beauty of social media is there are a lot of girls who are extremely introverted 
who have these massive YouTube channels and who are monetizing like crazy, but when you meet them in person, they're not like that. And so, yeah, I think if an introvert's listening to this right now, there's the sky's the limit. I don't think it really matters what your personality type is, but I do think that I'll be, I'll be, I will be real deal with this. I do think there's a level of you having to overcome the fear of showing your face or having people hear your voice. And that's just something that, I mean, that there is power in blogging and writing, obviously, but I think we live in a time now where video and audio is, is really taking over. And so there does have to be this level of overcoming the fear of the podcast or video. Right. And that's the, the stories that, that you do. It's, it's getting over the fact of talking yeah. to a camera and yeah. speaking because people want to see your eyes. They want to see your lips move and they want to hear the passion yeah. from actually coming from you. And you know, it gets easier. It gets easier to, how should I say this? It gets easier to give less shits, right? Like you just get to the point with, with a brand and you've had a personal brand now for a while where you are so used to sharing your life and you're so used to being public that you don't care if someone doesn't like you anymore on the internet. I, I feel like the first two years you care and it's, it, we take it very personally. And if a girl says, oh, I don't like your hair today, or I don't like your, you know, you're like, want to go cry and kill yourself. You're like, oh, this is horrible. And now I'm like, I, it just doesn't matter. I, maybe I'm just getting older, but you just don't care anymore. You care so much about the people who do love you and who are your tribe. And then you just don't care about who, anyone who doesn't resonate with that. Yeah, so basically get through the first two years of people talking to you, and then it's going to be fine. You won't give two flying fucks anymore. I mean, you, you're you so good at this. I feel like you give zero shits if someone doesn't like your stuff. You're just, like, super confident. Um, I, well, I used to take things so personally. I, mm. And it used to, like, I mean, it's still occasionally there'll be that one person that, like, gets inside you. It happened the other day to me. Um, you know, it was, it was one of my boyfriend's friends, something online, and, oh, I had all the comebacks. I had, I had all the things. I had all the answers, and I was writing the post. I'm like, you know what? Is it? It's not worth it. It's not worth my energy. It's not worth going down it. Whereas before, I would have been, like, you know, like, messaging back and defending. Almost because yeah. you end up, I think that's what the thing is, is when something's attacking you personally, you want to defend it because you are so strong and you believe in what you're doing. Yep. And so yep. it's just a defense mechanism. Whereas now, like you said, I'm too busy. I've got to get on another call. I don't have time to message this person back. I'm like, oh, they're just an idiot. I just, I, you have to do that. I go, you know what? They just, their brain's not working. I'm just absolutely, their brain's not working. I mean, successful people don't have time to bash people. If they do, they're probably not successful. Like I, the last thing I'm going to do today is go on Instagram and try to find random girls and be like, you look ugly or this is not a cute outfit. Like, why would I do that? I have so much mad respect for anyone who's putting themselves out there. I'm like, go girl. That's amazing. Even if you're not my, we wouldn't be friends in real life. I'm like, you do your thing. You know, mm -hmm. I can still remember the first Facebook live video I did. Well, not one of the first I was giving out amazing value. I was doing great. And a few random guys and some girls jumped on and they're like, uh, we don't, we like you brunette more than blonde. I don't like this. Like they were commenting, commenting about my hair color. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh, this is so weird. And I, I remember like taking it so personally and I was on live and I didn't know what to do. Like, do I address them? I can see the comments. Do I, you know, do I fight back? Do I say, what do I do? Get them off, get them off, get them off. Yeah, like it's about my hair. Like who cares? They should have been listening to the message. And that was, you know, there's been so many of those moments where I'm just like, what am I doing? And then you realize that it's part of the job. And I signed up for this. I, I signed up to have a semi-public life, right? I signed up to help people. And with that comes this, <laughs> this responsibility, I guess, or it comes, you know, some trolls and people who don't agree with everything. And they're going to comment on the stupid stuff. I mean, you put your body online all the time. There's people who are commenting stuff about your body probably all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they don't even know you. They never met you in person. They, it's just like, 
Yeah. That, oh, you're looking a little bit skinny now. I'm like, this was, I posted a picture yesterday. Like nothing. I haven't lost like 15 pounds in a day. Yeah. And it's like, who are, that's not what the purpose of the post was. <laughs> I'm like, I this wasn't a message about this. Um, so how do you, how did you at the time now you don't care because you've overcome yeah. it and you've got momentum. And when you get success, yeah. I feel like those things, they don't, you know, they don't hold as much value, but when you're starting out yeah. and you don't, you almost start to listen to those people because you haven't had the success yet. How do you refocus your brain to keep going onto the bigger picture? Yeah. For me, I, energy is so precious, right? Energy is everything. So where we put our energy is, is the most important part of our business. So for me, if I'm wasting that energy and that time on the negative comments or on the people that don't like me or on the people I'm not trying to serve, I'm wasting that valuable energy that could have been put towards actually creating valuable content or actually serving who I wanted to serve. So what I do is I basically, basically just do an energy shift and I ask myself, where, where, where's my energy going right now? Is it going towards what I could be creating or is it going towards someone who doesn't like <laughs> my hair color or something stupid, right? So I encourage you women who are starting to realize that your job is not to get everyone to like you. It's not. And, and once you really, really realize that, I think then the job becomes easier. But if you think that your job is to have everybody love you, then you're going you're gonna to really run into a really sticky situation on social media. Yeah, I mean, expect it. Expect some stuff to happen. And it's kind of a good thing. I think for me, I was excited when I got my first um, my first few bad reviews on my on my show, right? I remember I called my brother. I was like crying. I was like, oh my God, this person said they hated my episode. And I, I was super weird and my jokes weren't good. And like, what? What's going on? And he was like, congrats. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know you've kind of made it when you've got people that they're so like jealous almost like that they just have to go on iTunes and leave a four, a three star review or whatever. And I was like, you're so right. You're so right. Who has the time to do that? Not someone else who's got an awesome podcast. It's never another top podcaster who's leaving me a negative review. Like you suck. <laughs> yeah. So once you realize that you just kind of get over it. So it is a little bit of having some tough skin and realizing your job is to not have everyone love you. It's just not. And it's such a sticky sticky situation to get in if that's what you're trying to do totally so then one second thank you so much thank you yes okay i will see you next week thank you lovely bye <laughs> okay so next question you put um a post up about how you did 34k in sales in four weeks and Ooh. fascinated me so like how what why when Wait, oh oh with with health coaching mm-hmm Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm like, this is literally like five years ago. So this is crazy. Um, so this was one of my offers where the, the purpose of this post was to really drive home the specificity or like how important it is to be specific and have a niche. So prior to that, I had had some launches, but none of them had, had done that well because they weren't specific. The title was really vague. It wasn't really clear who I was speaking to. And so once I literally shift the, shifted the copy on my sales page and actually made it more clear, about who I was speaking to and changed the title, uh, everything changed for me. So that was the purpose of, of that post was really diving deep into what does it really take to get a consumer to, to buy? And usually that's the, the clarity around, around the offer. So yeah, well, clarity breeds action, right? So of if course. you're working with what you're doing and the specificness of what your the outcome is, yeah. that's kind of where the result's going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you make it look so easy on <laughs> when you're like, oh, we've, we've only got like two tickets left. Like, you know, like basically great is sold out three years in advance now. Right? <laughs> three years in it's advance. It's like, it's going to be a waiting list. 
like, you know, but the, you, you make it, um, you make it look like, uh, smooth and easy. And obviously how long did it take you to really find a flow? Cause when you're at the beginning, I feel like I was, I go this way, I go in pendulum swings and then something's working and then I like go the other way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you think it looks easy. That's like such a beautiful, amazing compliment. I will receive this. Um, I've, you know, I've been thinking about that because a few people have interviewed me and said that, and they'll ask me like, how is it easy for you to sell? It seems like everything you do, it does well. And this was Chris Harder, our mutual friend who said that he said events sells out. You do a course, it immediately sells out. You launch a physical product line immediately. You guys built it, you know, to seven figures fairly quickly. Like, how is that happening? And I think what I'm doing is, and this isn't a, a like an earth shattering secret, but I, I really want you gals listening to, to take this to heart. I am obsessed with community building more than I'm obsessed with making money. And so as a result, because I'm obsessed with my community and obsessed with nurturing them, it's easy for me to make money and it's easy for me to make sales because they will buy whatever I have because I put them first and I put building that friendship with them first or building that trust with them first. So when it comes to having a live event or a physical product, it goes fast and it goes easy because I'm never actually really directly selling them. I'm just purely providing them value. I'm giving them feedback. I'm nurturing them. I am obsessed with community building. Like that is my jam. That's my zone of genius. That's what I love to do. I love to build tribe. And I think that at the end of the day, if you focus on that and put that first, then sales come so much easier to you. But what a lot of girls do, and you know this, a big, big mistake they make is they're so obsessed with sales that they're so obsessed with their sales pages and their offers. And how can I sell this? And what should the product be? They're very obsessed with the, the back end, and that's where their energy is, right? But they forget that the most important part of your business is the front end and actually attracting humans who will buy the shit from you, right? If you don't have customers, you don't have a business. And so you could have the coolest product ever, but again, if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. And so for me, I've always put the emphasis on that. And then as a byproduct, it hasn't been as difficult for me to, to sell stuff, right? And I, I feel like you, you have to be good at this too because you've built a huge community. I mean, you have to be obsessed with the customer more than you are with the sale. And you're asking them what they want, right? You really are asking the audience what they want because and at the end of the day, there does have to be a balance of things that you want to do. And those things might be the hobby and the things that your audience are asking for and that you do will probably be the thing that pays your bills. And so it is having that, finding that balance of what is it that your audience love and what do they need? And also what do you love doing? Yeah, it's, it's that sweet spot of what do you enjoy? What's your expertise? What can you get results in? And then I match that with, and this is the part that a lot of people miss, I match it with something that this ideal niche avatar or this audience is screaming for and wants. And a lot of people miss that. They're like, I just want to launch a course on how to become a beautiful unicorn inner goddess mom who has confidence and has a six pack. And you're just like, no one's Googling for that shit. Like no one's looking for that. And so women forget that it's a lot easier for you to just meet someone where they're at and give them what they want. So I launch products based on what my, my community is asking for. Nine out of 10 is something I wanted to create anyway, but I do a lot of market research and a lot of polling. I'm asking them all of the time, what do you guys want? What do you need? What do you struggle with? What would you love to hear on my show? I treat my business and my entity and my LLC as if it's, it's of service, right? I'm literally creating content for her. And then of course I have my life and my hobbies and my other things, but my business is actually not for me. My show is not for me. My podcast is not for me. Every single post is not for me. It's for Susan or Becky or the girl I'm speaking to. Every single course, the live event's actually not about me. That's why I would never call it the Angie Lee event. It's not about me, right? And so when you realize that, it changes everything for you. It changes your content. It changes your, your offers. And you, you realize that you're, when you're in the business of service and solving a problem, things sell faster than you're, if you're just selling it because you just want people to look at you or 
think that you're, what you ate today is cool, right? <laughs> I always say like people don't give a shit about your cat unless you've actually first helped them with something. And so I'm pretty good at really leading with, with offers that they want. How much time do you spend on social media? It depends. You know, I go in phases, honestly. I would say, I, here's what I've been doing lately is I love still being very hands-on with my community and in my inbox, in my DM, answering these women because I'm still really, really obsessed with trying to figure out what I can create for her. I'm in the process of a book next. I'm still in a big creation push phase of my business where I want to know who she is and I want to know her so well that I could just like create everything and anything she needs. But so, so what I do is I'm, I'm trying to outsource other things in my life and take almost everything else off my plate. So I don't have to, um, be, I don't answer emails. There's so many other things in my business. I don't touch or see or do, and that are done for me. So then I can have an hour or two a day while I'm on a walk or working out to be in the DMS and to be answering that and to be really active there. And I think as an influencer, that's, that's my job. My job is to be chatting with her and to really build that relationship. So I do spend a lot of time daily in there and, in, and almost you know, I, I don't know what you call it, but I guess community building or community nurturing. And then other things in my business, I'm like, F no, someone else do that. So again, that's where I put my energy and my time. So then of course it's easier for me to make sales where another girl might be spending more time on the back end and doing stuff that's what I think is a waste of time because at the end of the day, they're buying it because it's me, right? And they want to engage with me. So I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard blend though. And you know this, making your life so public and being on there all the time, it is hard to find that, that balance. And the thing is, but a lot of people would maybe like look at look at you and be like, "Wow, you've got it all together. You've mm -hmm. got the event happening." Or like even with me, and I'm like, "We have help." Like at the mm -hmm. beginning, no, I was writing the blogs, I was filming my own videos with yep. the camera, I was editing them, I was doing absolutely everything. And then you, I feel like you, if you're starting to do a business, you need to start thinking about who, what you can delegate and how you can get an intern in or someone that just wants to learn. Like I really promote this to my team. Like you need an assistant. Like you need to not spend time cooking meals unless you love cooking. Then that's, you have a cooking blog. That's fine. Yeah. You know, you need to not spend time, you know, doing the laundry or cleaning because that is valuable time that you could be spending towards your business. Now, obviously you have to work up there, but I think having that vision of what can I delegate like as soon as possible. And that's going to really help build your business, especially if you've got a side hustle, if you've got a full-time job and you're doing this on the side. So when you started your business, were you at school or did you have a job or was it on the side? Like, how did that mix? So there was, there was different seasons of it, right? So when I first initially started, I was in college and I didn't go to class. And instead of, instead of being at class, I was recording videos outside of me doing workouts. I was taking pictures in my dorm room of my smoothies. Like I was creating content essentially before it was cool to be a content creator. And I was supposed to be in a chemistry class. So initially I was in college and then I was in a dietetics uh, program, a dietetics program. And then I went to be a, dietetic, a dietetics assistant at a hospital in Chicago. So I would be working at a hospital 30, 40 hours a week. And then on the side or on the weekends, I'd be building the audience. And so the intention was always like the minute I match that salary or make enough to leave, I'm out. Right. And so that was always my intention. But I think for a lot of women, it's very healthy to have that honest conversation around keep the job that you have and to, to pay the bills and to cover things. And then in your free time, and if this means you don't have a social life for a bit, well, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the unsexy life of, of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, if that means you can't have a social life for a bit, I think it's really important to use your extra hours and time to build the side hustle until you can match that income and then leave or 40% match it. I mean, whatever you need to live. But I think that 
there, there's this big message right now for everyone just to quit right away. And I think that that's not necessarily realistic for a lot of people. And that's okay. There's no shame around that. I'm a burn the boats type of girl. So I like that. I'm like, put me in, put me up against the wall and I'll figure it out. Right. But some women like a little bit more of a safety net. I don't like safety nets. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like one of those weirdos who likes just women in ambiguity. Right. So yeah. Totally. you have to know your personality type. You got to be self-aware. Yeah, you really do. And when you do go from being a full-time entrepreneur when you're on your own schedule, it is very different because you don't have to wake up at a certain time. You don't have to, you don't have to clock in. You have no structure. You've gone from having perfect structure. And actually I find sometimes people are more productive when they have a full-time job and they have certain hours that they have to get the work in. Whereas sometimes people do less work over 10 hours than they do in the two. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And as far as help, getting help as soon as you can is, is the smartest thing you can do so you can stay in that zone of genius, right? Only I can create the videos. Only I can be on this podcast right now. Only I can go record anything I need to do as far as content or write. Only I can engage in the DM as far as really getting in depth with them about what they want and need. But I don't need to be doing other things in my life and my business. So I would, for the woman listening, I would ask yourself, what's the very first thing that you can take off your plate that's causing you stress? And you'd be surprised. You can get someone for four to eight bucks an hour to do small tasks such as answering emails, organizing your inbox, doing things like that. This doesn't have to be something that you're paying someone 50 to hundred grand a year to do initially. Oh no, not at all. It, it can start off with just doing your laundry, like your laundry yeah. and um, emptying your dishwasher. Like that's something <laughs> I don't like going. Literally, uh, cleaning lady, someone making food for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So last question, just before we wrap up, you had your boobs out. Like <laughs> last question, let's talk about your boobs. Let's talk about your boobs, girl. Um, I have implants in, so I am was you know interested to know a little bit about this. And yeah, tell us why did you have your implants taken out? Not your boobs taken out, your implants taken out. Yeah, I know, right? I say that I'm like, no, I still have my natural still have boobs. Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. And again, I have a bunch of podcasts on this. And again, for any woman listening to this, and you like. I'm all about do what you feel is right. It's your body, your life, your rules. For me, it was, it was a few things. I I'd had them for 10 years. I got them when I was 19. At the time I got them because of course I thought I would win bikini shows because of them. I thought that they would make me feel sexy and prettier. Who knows, right? And so I got them right away. Didn't really put any thought into it, no research into it. And over time, as I became really obsessed with holistic health, I would say my, my biggest passion now is living like a toxic-free lifestyle. And so for me, I started doing research when I saw girls posting about the toxicity levels in them. And I realized, I'm like, wait, I won't even drink out of plastic. I have two plastic bags sitting in my body. My body's 98 degrees. Like, this doesn't, I don't have to be a rocket scientist to be like, this is not right. It just doesn't make sense. And so I started going crazy on research for about eight to 10 months. The wait list was insane to get into the doctor that I wanted to get into here in Newport. And finally, they called me a week before on 4th of July last year. And they were like, someone canceled. It's 4th of July. Do you want to come in? I was like, shit. So I went in, got them out. And prior to that, I started to see some weird little health conditions. So nothing insane where some of these girls in the breast implant illness group are literally, there's a few of them whose mothers have died from them because they kept them in too long. Like it's extremely, extremely heartbreaking to hear the stories of how people's immune systems eventually started to crash. But my immune system to start was very healthy, right? I, I, my starting point was very healthy compared to most of these women. But still, I started to notice weird little things in my energy, my skin, my joint pain, super weird. So I won't go on forever about it. But long story short, um, my intuition told me that it, it wasn't what I wanted in my body anymore. And I knew I wanted to breastfeed one day. I didn't know the complications with that. And 
I can honestly say it's one of the best decisions I ever made for my body and my health. I woke up and I literally was crying to my mom and the nurse. And I was like, I can breathe again. Like having that weight on your chest is so intense for working out. And, um, it's so nice to be able to fully take an actual deep breath and not have like books on my chest. And I, I have not had joint pain. I had knee joint pain, which is super weird. Randomly. I've not had joint pain since 48 hours after that surgery. So that was July 5th, 2018 hands down. And so like, it's just incredible. You guys can dive into this Facebook group. It's breast implant illness by Nicole. There's about a hundred thousand women in there right now reporting all of their conditions with breast implant illness. Uh, it's something that's not talked about because the plastic surgery industry doesn't want to tell you because it's not fun and they don't make money telling you this, but it's, it's real, right? It's in your body. It's a foreign object. And like anything in life, eventually your body can hold up for a while. The body is amazing. It, it's, it's incredible how resilient the human body is, but eventually over time, the human body if there's anything in your body that's foreign, it will start attacking it because it doesn't know what it is. And so what do you think happens? Well, you have immune system suppression, right? And then once your immune system suppressed, everything else in your body goes to shit. <laughs> so that's the long story short, not getting too sciencey for you guys. But um, yeah, it's been cool. I did it for health reasons, but I didn't know that through that, I would find that like, I learned a lot about like, how confident is Angie without something that was so my identity for a while? Like how confident am I with just my body, like without having that. So it was a crazy fucking journey. I wasn't going to share it on social media. I did. Next thing you know, the post went viral. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's such a big thing, you know, um, and yeah. it's a lot of women right now are going through that decision-making and whatever feels right for you. Like yeah. I know right now that I'm, I'm not going to have them taken out. That's just because how I feel. Maybe I just don't have the confidence to have them out or whatever. Wow, yeah. I remember how I felt before, mm -hmm. um, but it would be, I would love to have them out for a week and see how I felt. And then if they're great, put them back in. Again. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised. I yeah. think girls, girls think that like it changes their life or their confidence, but I think a lot of people are surprised at how much. Yeah. I'm 31 now. I'm like, whatever. My body's just going to start falling apart anyway. So yeah, I mean, here's my thing. If you girls have them, just, God, just I can say anything yourself. because listen, I do, I do actually think it's my responsibility because I've literally had girls. I mean, God, I've had maybe 10 to 30 girls cancel surgeries another 40 to 50. Tell me they got them out and feel better because of them. Girl. I mean, I do think I'm saving lives and helping when I have this honest, scary discussion, but I think if you've had them for five to six years, please go get them either. I mean, whatever you want to do, fat transfer updated, whatever. I can't control that, but don't keep them in for longer than I mean, they tell you 10 years, but that's not right, right? That's like, I don't know. I, I just think the plastic's boiling in your body. And I think that women keep them in way too long. And some of these women in the group are keeping them in for 35 years. Yeah, they me haven't. I'm like, are you serious? That's so gross. Yeah. If you think about it, something's like dead, like in your body for like yeah, any more than like eight years, really. It's like, yeah. That's a long, even like five years is a long time. And girl, you got a banging body. I don't, these girls, dude, she's got one of the best bodies. So like you little boost, big boost, you'll look good. You'll look banging with, with whatever. So we'll see what you're the most fit little bodies ever. So you're good. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful that we managed to get this together because this was a lot of fun. And um, if there is any tickets left by the time this comes out, which is not even that long, where can they go to see you in real life? Pays to be brave. Yes, I would love for you girls to be there. It's paystobebrave.com. It's a female entrepreneurial confidence empowerment conference in gorgeous San Diego, October 5th and 6th. It's going to be so much flip and fun. A lot of amazing speakers. It's going to be a dance party, motivation, entrepreneurship. Essentially, imagine a business a conference, but made really fun. And that's the Steve Brave.
That's awesome. And where can they find you on social media? Yeah, you guys can creep on me on Instagram at Angie Lee Show or head to iTunes right now and head to the Angie Lee Show. Perfect. They can creep on you. Definitely. They can creep on me. Like, yeah. not just follow me, but just like creep. Go ahead. Creep yeah. on me. We don't want to follow. We just want to creep, right? <laughs> creep means so much better, right? <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Angelie, for joining me today. I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast. You're a rock star. And uh, I'm so excited to see you again very, very soon. And thanks for everybody else for joining us on the It Takes Grit podcast. Make sure you head on over to iTunes and Spotify, wherever you love to listen to it and leave us a review. And also head on over to Angie's page and check out Pays to Be Brave because it's going to be unbelievable. Thanks, guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>